Maura Flannery is a professor of biology at St. John's University in New York, and she's concerned about bringing anatomy and art together. She's distressed to see her students bored by their anatomy classes, and she's convinced that considering anatomy and art together and the long tradition of artists concentrating on the human body in a detailed manner is important. She writes, Obviously, it's not a new idea to see Leonardo da Vinci as the embodiment of art and science. The massive restoration project of The Last Supper and the crowds that stream through the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa indicate the extent of his reputation as a painter. As for his skill as an anatomist, his drawings speak for themselves. Dr. Dennis Rowatton makes the point that Da Vinci cannot be considered a great scientist because he made no original contributions in science. His most creative work was in the development of imaginative technologies. The area where Leonardo came closest to being a scientist was probably in his anatomical work. Rowatton points out that it was Leonardo the artist who began the anatomical studies which were originally undertaken to improve his artistic skills. But Leonardo the genius, the polymath, became so fascinated by anatomy that his anatomical studies were continued for their own sake. She says, I think this point is important to bring to our students' attention. For them, anatomy is, quite simply, a bore. It is little more than a mass of difficult-to-pronounce and difficult-to-spell terms. The wonder of anatomy, the wonder that gripped Leonardo, is completely foreign to them. For Leonardo, a human cadaver was unexplored territory, a new world of wonder. Though dissections were carried on during the Middle Ages, they were rare, and dissection of a human cadaver was not only still considered immoral, but was also illegal in Leonardo's times. So to look inside a body was to get a glimpse of a world that was usually hidden, but that had the added fascination, something that was taboo. This fascination comes through in Leonardo's drawings, which are so carefully done. He made the most of his very limited opportunities to examine cadavers by documenting his dissections as carefully as possible. If you look at his drawings of the rib cage, and then at the drawings of the rib cage in modern texts, it becomes clear that what is missing from the modern drawings is the thrill of discovery. Yes, they are done by competent artisans, but they are hardly art. Maura Flannery continues, Whatever the artistic tradition, my contention is that art can make the wonder that Leonardo felt more real and present to students. In most cases, the best anatomical art is produced by artists who have developed sufficient familiarity with anatomy that they are able to portray it more realistically than even the camera can. The 18th century artist William Hunter saw an essential link between anatomical science and anatomical illustration, which communicated detailed and precise information quickly and without language barriers, the art of engraving supplies us with a universal language. It conveys clearer ideas of most natural objects than words can express. 
While Hunter called for the utmost realism in anatomical illustration, he also considered the aesthetic aspects of the picture. He argued that beauty in an illustration was essential. I can remember having to do drawings when I took comparative anatomy lab. I had no appreciation whatsoever for what I was doing. It was just the necessary work to get a decent grade. I don't know if I would have felt differently if I had known views like Hunter's, but I do know that anatomical drawing was never presented to me in this light. I was not made to feel that what I was doing was in the tradition of Leonardo, nor was I ever presented with such work as his. The anatomical drawings in present-day textbooks are obviously more accurate than those of the past, but I think students could nevertheless benefit from exposure to some works of anatomical art, for there is a spirit here that is lacking in most modern work. The works of more recent medical illustrators emphasize attention to detail, almost to the exclusion of artistic sensibility. And while accuracy is obviously important, what happens with many of these illustrations is that the viewer is overwhelmed with detail. Flannery says, the more I read about artists like Rembrandt and Thomas Aikens, the more I learn of their knowledge of and interest in science. The 20th century Mexican artist Rita Kahlo owned an illustrated textbook on obstetrics that was the source of a number of images in paintings such as Henry Ford Hospital. Painter Diego Rivera was also someone who used biological imagery, including cells and embryos in his work and in two murals on the history of cardiology done for the National Cardiological Institute in Mexico City. In terms of knowledge of anatomy, students will not learn much by looking at the work of Kahlo and Rivera. The images used are hardly detailed or extremely accurate anatomically, but I think these images and many of the others I've mentioned are useful in the classroom they present to students the idea that anatomy is of more than academic interest, that since it tells us something about ourselves, it can fascinate the mind and even the soul. Words of an essay titled Artists and Anatomists by Mara Flannery in Biology Today. In the tradition Mara Flannery writes about we meet Liana Pandey, who is an artist fascinated by the human body, and it doesn't seem to make sense for her to separate her art and the science she loves. In fact, next month she'll be going off to medical school. She's already deeply immersed in scientific research. One of her watercolor images of the human brain is featured on the cover of the Journal of Scholarly Research in Progress, issued by the Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine, while an article concerning her work on a Schedule III opioid is included in the journal itself. Leana Pandey shows her art, and she shares it with us in an exhibition opening this evening at the Wyoming Valley Art League in downtown Wilkes-Barre, a show running through August 30th. Leona Pandey paid a visit to the WVI studios to talk about the passion we heard as Maura Flannery described artists of an earlier tradition, and we talk about Pandey and her early love of art. We were a museum family, so we were always going to like the Met Museum and different places like that. 
And I was always looking at like impressionist pieces and we would just walk around and obviously it wasn't very advanced, but I would just get my children's canvases and start painting trees and things like that. So you really did have a facility for it and an interest in it right from the start. Definitely. How was your interest in anatomy and human body and medicine coming along? Was that parallel? Yeah, I've always been interested in science. Uh, My dad's a doctor, so some of our decor in our house has always been skeletons and things like that. So at some point, I just started looking at, well, these are really interesting features of nature also that we really aren't looking at the same way. Did you always think that you'd follow in dad's footsteps, that you might want to be a doctor too? Definitely. I'm actually going to medical school at the end of the month. I'm not sure what I'll specialize in yet. I seem to like almost all of it. I majored in neuroscience and psychology, so I do like those subjects. But who knows? I I also like cardiology. I like so many different parts that it's going to be hard to pick. What were the forerunners of the work you're doing now? I was doing a lot with like botany and things like that and also doing like the cellular structures of plants. And someone asked me, like it was one of my art teachers in high school. They said, why aren't you doing anatomy? You really like medicine. You're always studying that. I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And then I actually started looking at the structures as I was learning more in college. And I was like, I should be doing this. And I started painting more brains and getting more fine tuned with the structures And I was practicing a lot, and then I just sort of got the hang of it. And are these pieces that you have come to create accurate to the nth degree and yet artistic? Yes. Uh, The only thing that changes in some of them is maybe I've oversaturated the colors so they're more appealing, or I've changed them a little bit so that the blood vessels are gold or something like that. But uh, different physicians have purchased my art. I've had a couple neurosurgeons pick up my brains. Uh, the Geisinger Conwell School of Osteopathic Medicine has uh, put me on their cover. One of the lead neurosurgeons on the Netflix docuseries Lennox Hill bought one of my watercolor brains. And a bunch of different people just pick this up and tell me it's accurate. And I was always really glad to see that. It's not just me enjoying myself, that other people can really see accuracy in it. And yet when we, and we're lucky enough to have a couple of images before us, there is a sense of a dimensional sense, three-dimensional sense, and also a sense of tissue, fleshy-like, organic material-like that you're rendering not just a form, but you are giving us images of something that has some life. I spent a really long time working on the colors and layers in each piece. I think the toughest part is figuring out how many colors are in a single segment of a piece that I'm drawing. In just a pink brain color could be purple, it could be burnt sienna, there's ultramarine blue, there's so many different things in there layered together. And then once you see it far apart, then it really starts to get that more depth sense to it. How do you get models for this? Do some of these images come from your lab work or from photographs, images? Sometimes it is uh, like lab diagrams and models and things like that. But for the organs, it's plenty of reference pictures on social media now. There's a lot of scientists and doctors that are more active on places like Instagram. So then even their contribution isn't coffee, it is organs in that sense. As you are pursuing both your interest in medicine and your art, taking the incredible amount of time and the care that you take in rendering and creating these images, 
Do you think it helps you understand the function of the brain or the function of this part of the aorta or things like that because you know so intimately the physical structure? I think it helps me get a greater sense of appreciation for the organ. And also, I like and admire the shapes a lot more. I've never taken a formal anatomy class per se, but as I'm starting to look into anatomy more, I'm like, oh, so that's what that structure is. And I'm really fascinated by just the different patterns in nature and in our uh, anatomy. We have the Journal of the Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine script, and you are on the cover. Your brain is on the cover. There is also a research report, there, a study that you've done in there. Tell us about that one. Uh, that study was on buprenorphine. It's a type of opioid that can be abused, and there's complicated pharmacology to it that's yet to be studied. And essentially, it was just another paper studying the opioids, the opioid epidemic, and the properties to different drugs that we really don't truly understand as well as we feel we do. Well, some of the images that we'll see in the show have not just like this heart on the poster, which has no real context. It's a heart, and we don't see any hands holding it, or we don't see any background the brain in this poster, there are hands holding it up. It's just a suggestion of hands, fingers. But there are other images where you have flowers with the brain, that the reds of the flowers complement or contrast with the color of the brain and that sort of thing. And then there's a wooden table. So you set the organs in places where we might not expect them sometimes. To me, it all looks really nice. I mean, I'm just a nerd in the sense that I love the anatomy and I also love uh, nature. I do a lot of illustrations like that. So sometimes I just set up a piece and I'm like, I would want all of these things together. <laughs> and to others, it seems mismatched. But I think uh, part of what I'm trying to show is the same branching structure we see in trees or coral that's in your blood vessels. It's in the vasculature of the human. It's wonderful how they come together, and yet I don't feel like you're giving us a lesson. It yeah. really is an expression of your sense and wonder, really. Mm -hmm. It's more my passion for the aesthetics of anatomy, not as much of a STEM lesson today. Now, do you experience folks who are squeamish when they see some of your work? That's definitely true. I've had professors I've given, like if I work on a big research project with them, I'll want to give them, you know, a piece and they say, I'm going to leave this in my office because I don't think my wife will let me hang this up by the dinner table. I'm like, I totally understand. Are you refining your techniques and finding ways that allow you to be even more creative with your images? Well, I'm a self-taught artist, so every time I pick something up, I'm trying to learn something new. What I used to do is every year, like every summer, I'd take some new medium and try to learn and commit myself to it. I'm finding I'm running out of entirely new media to try, but uh, I just tried like gouache this summer and now I'm just trying things like, I'm adding like metallics to all my pieces. So there's some, there's a big triptych piece that's gonna be in the show that all the vasculature is in this sort of really reflective metallic gold paint. And the rest is all detailed and lifelike, but that's one piece that I wanted to emphasize in it. So now I'm trying to incorporate new things into what I already know. You talked about a family who would be going to museums when you were little. Were there artists like Leonardo, for example, who might have that sense of both art and 
science coming together who intrigued you or who intrigue you now? I haven't seen any when we went to museums as much. Uh, we mostly looked at nature and things like that, and we'd separately go to places like the Franklin Institute. But for me, it was just purely out of a passion of my own. Uh, one artist I can think of now that I admire is Frank Netter. He was also a physician who did anatomy, and he went to medical school and did that whole thing. And there's several artists in the medical illustration field that sort of follow that pattern. So there are some people, but not a lot, right? Not many widely known, no. In terms of way of working, do you have a studio where you leave things set up? Do you move with the impulse and say, oh, I think I've got it now, and you start a new piece? I'm sort of impulsive. It's just all in one, like a couple days, and then I'll finish it. Nothing's ever set up for months, really, because with studying all kinds of things, until the pandemic, I really had no time where I was painting months and months at a time. So I'd come up with a piece, I'd paint it in a couple days, and then it was done. Or it would be something set up where I think it was finished, and then I'd come back to it for months on end. So it's difficult to say there's nothing really set up where I think, okay, this is an ongoing piece, and I need to come back to it. And what will we see then at the Wyoming Valley Art League? Well, I've took a bunch of the best pieces I felt that I could accumulate in the show. Um, there's all kinds of things. There's a lot of different brains that are in watercolor that provide a lot of depth. There's one of a brain bleed and there's big gloves holding it up and you can see sort of things dripping down the gloves and it's a more human piece. It's like a surgeon holding up a brain. I have a colorful sort of skull that highlights the different bones in the skull. It's in the style that Frank Netter has a very famous piece where he has exactly the same thing, perhaps in a different medium, but mine is gouache. Uh, I have a couple different watercolor hearts that I've done in different styles. One is sort of stylized and oversaturated. That's the one on the portrait. One is very realistic and might be more so what you'd see if you looked at an actual heart, but again, with more saturated colors than, say, a cadaver would be. I have different pen and ink style sketches with cross hatching that are very detailed and use a lot of fine techniques to try to create like curves and arches and crevices. And there's some bones in there too that I've done because those are usually easier to create that sense of depth. What about building up the surfaces of a canvas? Would you do that with paint if you did do that or if you have done that? Or do you do any collage-like work? I have something collage-like, but it's not quite a collage. Uh, it's a piece that has sort of a fractured skull with several different pieces fragmented around the page. Then there's a brain in a different medium that's very small next to it. And then I have sort of a gold leaf neuron which is at the cellular level, all across the page. And they look like I just sort of cut them out and put them on there, but they're all drawn across in different mediums across the page. Do you find something lends itself watercolor, oil, gouache? Is there something that you'd go back to over and over because it just seems to be right when you're rendering tissue or it just depends on what you're doing? So far, watercolor seems to be the best for me because I've found that being able to pick up the color and depth with so many layers is just easier with watercolor. But it really depends on what I'm trying to show in the piece. For instance, when I'm using like 
pen and ink and doing all the detailed cross hatching and stippling, usually you can show more texture or detail with that. Um, and I'm not focusing as much on the color. It's more about the structure and shape of something. Whereas if I'm using something like acrylic, it can't be as detailed, but maybe it shows more depth, but also gives a sense of color and location for the different objects. Like I have a very detailed spine that's in acrylic and it's relatively smaller, but it does show a lot of detail in each vertebra. And you can see the different parts of the spinal column, like the thoracic and lumbar, but it does not show the detail to each bone that I think I've done in other pieces with like gouache or pen. So it really depends on what I'm trying to highlight and show in each piece. Do you think that this will always be something that you really want to do, this rendering in some medium or other artistically, the human anatomy? You don't think you'll get tired of it? I don't think so. I've painted a lot of different things like animals or landscapes or water scenes. And I just feel I'm always coming back at some point to take a break with anatomy and do that in some new way. It's never the same exact all the time, but... That just seems to be the thing I keep coming back to every time. Eyes? Are eyes something that you've worked with? I've actually found I like doing something that's more of a challenge. And the first eye I did, I felt like it was too easy to do. You see a lot of eyes drawn online, and I just kind of got bored with it. I have one eye in the show that's the enucleation of a retinoblastoma. So it was cancer in the eye, and they took it out. And it's just the eye without the human body. It's nothing too graphic. You just see the front of the eye out of it. And it's kind of got like a green haze on top of it. So it's an interesting piece to look at. That one's in watercolor. How about your family's reaction? Dad on board because he is a doctor. Mom, have anything to say about what you're doing? My dad looks at different pieces differently. Uh, So the ones that are more realistic, he really likes. And then the ones that are more stylized, he says... You know, traditionally in the anatomy textbooks, that's more red. And I'm like, well, that's not the goal here. And my mom's also an artist, so she actually likes the ones that are more stylized because she sees the point I'm trying to get across because she, as a painter, gets more of that trend. Do you give titles to your pieces? I do because I'm supposed to, but really I don't think there's anything I could describe in words that captures what I'm trying to paint. If I would be able to describe this painting in words, I think I'd be a writer. I'm thinking of one of the hearts that will be in the show, and it's as if there is real weight there. It's as if there is real heft there, that it could actually expand and contract, except that you've captured it in a moment. Yeah, I've tried really hard to make sure that they look like you can almost lift them up. I've studied the shadows a lot. That took a lot of work making them as realistic as I could without making them unappealing to someone who's not really interesting in science. Uh, That was something I really wanted to make sure I could do. What about emotion and these pieces? I think it completely depends on what your relationship with science is to begin with. I've found if I take one of my brain paintings and I bring it to someone who's a neuroscientist or a neurologist or something like that, they look as excited as I do that it's something so interesting and, you know, I've captured the anatomy well and that the patterns that I'm trying to show across are very much there, like the blood vessels and tissues are exposed the way they should be. But if it's someone who's not as interested in science, 
Some people are less enthusiastic and some people are very intrigued to learn more. They want to see what they can learn from this. Is there any way that they can get a better handle on science, maybe to try to point out like what is it I'm looking at? It really depends on the person. I'm not seeking an entirely unique reaction from everyone, but I'm looking for people to at least accept beauty in a structure that they didn't think was beautiful before. You mentioned STEM earlier, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. What do you think about adding the A for arts, making it STEAM as many people do? Uh, To me, STEAM seems to be where we already were, just all different subjects collaborating together. I like that in STEM, when we emphasize STEM, we emphasize, you know, the sciences that we obviously lost a big handle on when, you know, we had all sorts of disagreements in the last year or two because really we all don't know a lot about science. And as we move forward, maybe we'll put a greater emphasis on things like STEM. But I think incorporating the arts and science should really be just thought of as science, but with an aesthetic value to it. Because my art in itself, I'm trying to say that science in itself has a beauty. It's not necessarily distinct from art. It's with art and beauty. And your notion of beauty can involve things that are not pretty. The example you gave of the eye and the cancer You don't shy away from necessarily diseased structures or things that are are not perfect. No. To me, I think that's what's kept us away from understanding science really as a society. When we say that we don't understand what the CDC is saying or anybody else like that, like a doctor, it's because we kind of separate it. We're like, that doesn't seem as nice or pretty as, as something else I'm reading. And if we could just see that there's some natural beauty to all kinds of things, even if it's not so pleasant, that might help us to learn more and be comfortable in more topics. There's an image that you've created that is a coronavirus with a group of people in masks and gowns and so forth. Tell us about that image. That one I created like in April of 2020, and it was like the coronavirus structure itself is in the center and it's in pen and watercolor of just different healthcare workers and all the personal protective equipment gathered around, sort of boosting the virus off the patient, but they're all struggling. And that one I painted, it felt like a very short time, but I know it wasn't. And I did it all at once. And it was a lot better received than I expected it to be. To me, it was just like, oh, I just did this and I'll just you know, show it to friends because I got it done. But I guess the emotion on people's faces in the painting really came through better than I expected it to. It was actually kind of stolen online for a month or so. There were a couple doctors who took my name off and stole it, and I had to get it back. That goes so against the spirit of the image itself, which is something that suggests the importance of the community and each of us needing each other and coming together to make some difference or to help. And it was a community effort that brought us this far. I mean, the scientists that worked on the vaccine, everyone who distributed it, the people who treated patients, anybody who was trained to administer a vaccine, people who stayed home, it really was a whole community work to lift it off these people who needed help. 
Have you done anything more surrounding the pandemic or was that the only image? Not so many. I do a lot more of the anatomy and organs. That one I just came up with on the spot and I thought of the Atlas imagery with that one. I don't have a lot of very symbolic work, but when I do come up with it, it, you know, it tends to shine out. Leona Pandey, artist and prospective medical student. She's off to medical school next month, speaking with us about her art and her love for the sciences and particularly anatomy. She has a chance to share with us her art in an exhibition that will be opening this evening with a reception from 5 to 8 p.m., at the Circle Center for the Arts of the Wyoming Valley Art League, 130 Rear, South Franklin Street in Wilkes-Barre. The show opens July 16th today and will run through August 30th at the Circle Center for the Arts. The show is titled Art in Medicine, and there will be an artist talk and guest speakers down the line. If you need more information, wyomingvalleyartleague.org, wyomingvalleyartleague.org. Gallery hours Tuesdays through Thursdays, noon to 4. And the opening reception is this evening, 5 to 8. Art in Medicine, Art of Liana Pandey. And I'll spell her name for you so you can Google it and find some of those images online. L-E-A-N-A. P-A-N-D-E. It's a show that opens this evening and runs through August 30th at the Circle Center for the Arts, 130 Rear South Franklin Street in Wilkes-Barre. The Wyoming Valley Art League is the host, and it is wyomingvalleyartleague.org, wyomingvalleyartleague.org. wild music here with a heartbeat motif. 